Hello and welcome again to the TIFF podcast. I'm Shamal Haroon. All specialty trainees in public health in the UK have to undergo the membership of the Faculty of Public Health exams. The second of these exams, known as the Part B exam, is an essential requirement towards gaining a certificate of completion of training and tests a wide range of skills necessary to become a competent consultant in public health. I spoke to Paul Fisher to discuss this further. Hi Paul, thanks very much for joining the podcast and this Welcome. is uh, this is the second time you've uh, done a podcast so I really appreciate uh, the time that you're given. No um, problem. Could you just introduce yourself first please? Yes I'm I'm Paul Fisher I completed the training scheme um, about 18 months ago now and I'm currently based at the University of Birmingham. And the reason why I'm speaking to you, Paul, is you got the highest score for the Part B exam when you sat it and you were, got an award from the Faculty of Public Health for yes. that. And you've co-authored a book on the Part B exam. So I couldn't think of anyone uh, more appropriate to talk about uh, this, this topic of the Part B exam. Just to, just to start things off, could you say a little about the Part B exam, what it's testing and why it's important? Yep. So I think if you if you go back to the uh, well, one of the definitions of, of public health, it being the science and art of preventing disease, prolonging life and promoting health through the organised efforts of society. I think it, one of the key aspects of the Part A exam, I think, is focusing on the science part of that definition, whereas I think with the Part B, um, it's focusing a bit more on the art of public health. Um, and back in 1995, I think it was, um, there was a review of the old style system that the part two exam um, and that found a number of flaws in, in, in that exam that um, I think they, they believed uh, couldn't be ironed out by just altering the adjunct exam. So they went for a, a complete revamp um, to the current system where you've got these six stations um, similar to the uh, objective structured clinical examinations. Um, and, you know, I I think they're, they're very useful. Um, the scenarios are based on real life uh, situations that consultants have come across. And I think, you know, wh when I went through the process of preparing for the exams and getting through the exams, um, it does give you that confidence that you can, you know, take on a number of public health roles, whether it's um, negotiation or advocacy, um, you know, act up in a consultant role. Um, and I think, you know, gives that confidence that you've got the full skill set, um, not only the knowledge, but also, you know, the practical application uh, to be a consultant after your after the training scheme. Great. And could you give some tips on preparing? What would be your top tips? I think it's, it's really important to do a mock. Um, I know when I was preparing, I did lots of um, single scenarios with uh, a variety of people, which is great. But it's, it's, it's really important to get those six scenarios um, timed as per the exam because they can be quite draining. Um, I think it's, it's really good in the, you know, the, the few months running up to the exam. Um, if you can do as many of those sort of situations in real life as possible. So, you know, every opportunity you have to speak to members of the public or negotiate with other professionals, you know, the council or CCGs or Public Health England, um, 
that would be a great one as well. Um, I think it, it was. I think it's very useful to, to be able to act. I mean, I, I did a bit of uh, amateur dramatics in in my past, which I think helped. Um, but I think to to practice the scenarios as if they were real. I mean, I, I actually went in sort of prepared um, in my head who I was going to be, and sort of when you go through the door, try and sort of transform yourself into that person because um, it's. I mean. It is a bit artificial. You never have just eight minutes to solve any public health issue. Um, but I think as, as much as possible, if you can uh, put yourself in the mindset um, so it's as real as possible in your head. Because there are lots of people who I see who do this sort of stuff in real life and they find it very easy. But then in the exam condition, um, I suppose because it's an exam, it's a bit artificial, then they sometimes struggle a bit more than you think they would. So I think the more you can approach it as if it's real life, um, the better. And um, I think you know, the attitude is uh, very important as well. So, you know, I went out and bought myself a new suit and some cufflinks just so, you know, to give you that sort of confidence that you you are a consultant, um, you know, when you step through the room. I think a bit of power dressing is a bit like a, a job interview in a way. I think a bit of power dressing is uh, useful as well. Um, I think it's imp very important to understand the sort of skills there looking for and the sort of scenarios that are going to come up so you, you, you are likely to talk to um, a journalist and there's going to be some situations there where there's a bit of conflict with um, whoever you're talking to and you're likely to be asked to you know reassure someone um, and there's it's very likely that someone's going to tell you something um, about themselves or a member of family um, you know where they've had some sort of health issue and, you know, just making sure you know how to respond to that and show empathy, um, even if the person you're speaking to isn't acting the role very well. Um, you know, you have to bring the enthusiasm, I think, into the room. Um, and obviously by the Practicing Public Health book will be my top tip for preparing. Great, we'll, we'll get on to that in a bit. So um, <laughs> what, what do you think the, the most common pitfalls are when people prepare and when they go into the exam? I think um, it's difficult to get the right balance uh, in the exam. So um, I think people can be overly defensive um, and they often give short responses because they're afraid of making mistakes. Um, and then on the opposite side, I think some people can be overly talkative. Um, and then, you know, if it takes you three, four, five minutes to answer the questions, obviously the examiner is going to want to ask sort of five six seven questions in that time um so it's, it's getting the balance of um not being too short obviously not waffling on too much um nerves can be a big issue so you know anything you can do to control your nerves is uh, very important um i mean an old sort of acting technique was to sort of control your breathing um so when i did a bit of you know amdram before you went on stage, if you were nervous and sweaty, then it's very difficult to tell your body to stop those things. But the one thing that you're always able to do is, is control your breathing. Um, so then if you sort of steadily, you know, breathing in, breathing out, and it gives you the sense of having control over your nerves then. Um, so that's what you know, I was doing before I went into the station. You've got like a minute um, between the eight minutes you got to prepare and eight minutes for the station, you've got a minute waiting outside. Um, and that can be useful time just to 
you know, gather yourself and, and calm your nerves. Um, and then I think, you know, some people sort of approach it like an oral parte and they want to you know, throw lots of facts at the um, examiner, um, where obviously you do need to know the science as well, but it's, it's more um, a test of the sort of arts and, you know, the empathy with that person. So the more you can have a, you know, genuine conversation as you would in real life, um, I think the better it comes across. Um, and, and I think, you know, some people, if they have a poor scenario, um, if you have one station goes badly, then I think some people struggle to forget about that and move on to the next. Um, and I mean, you, you mentioned I got the award. I mean, I, I did make um, an error in the exam, whereas I think it was the, the fourth station. I, I actually prepared for the wrong station, went in, um, and I, I you know, tried to make the best uh, out of uh, a bad situation. They gave me four minutes to prepare and four minutes to rush through the station. I, don't, I can't believe I did well on that. Um, but, but then I was able to sort of forget about that, move on, and in the next station, uh, prepare for the right one. It's always a good idea. Uh, and, you know, start from scratch. And I think if you're able to, because you're always going to make some mistakes. You know, it's never going to go perfectly. Um, but I think the more you can just put it out your mind and then get onto the next one, prepare the new scenario and, and move on, um, the better. And I think if, if you can, yeah, if you can enjoy it, lots of people, you know, they just, just, if you can put a genuine smile on, um, your face and sort of bring the enthusiasm and the energy into the room, I think that does help a lot. And, and how much attention did you pay to the marking grid and also to frameworks for answering particular types of questions? I think it's, it's useful to have, um, some, well, it's certainly yeah, useful to have frameworks in, in the back of your head, uh, you know, when, especially when you're preparing for the eight minutes beforehand. So if it's an outbreak, you know, you know, the steps at the outbreak. Um, and if, if you can try to guess what the scenario is going to be about. So, I mean, you, you can generally sort of see whether it's, it's going to be one about having to reassure someone or is it more about explaining the data or is it more about, um, you know, arguing your, your, standpoint against uh you know a journalist or something like that so it's, it's good to have a framework that can help then um that then uh frame your answers when you're you know, you're going through the scenario um and i think certainly also yeah i, th I think with the the marking with it was just um more to have that in the back of your mind um so to make sure that you know you are listening to all the questions, you're responding fully to the question and, and all elements of that question. Um, and to know, for example, they're going to be marking you against um, how you react to conflict. So there's going to be some of that thrown at you during the, um, you know, the six stations that you're in. So I think it wasn't so much in my mind during the actual eight minutes, but I think during the preparation time, um, I think that's a useful way of uh, trying to guess, you know, what sort of questions are going to come up. And can you just um, talk me through how you experienced the exam? What happened when you arrived at the examination venue? And then how did that lead to you eventually completing the exam? Yeah, well, I think the one thing is there's lots of waiting around. Um, and also, uh, you can be on your own quite a bit. So when I took the exam, I was the only person from um, the West Midlands who went down to take the exam in um, London at that time. Um, so I suppose there is the um, risk that you'll turn up, stay in a hotel, um, go to the exam. I had a, 
an AM exam, so I go to the exam in the, in the morning, um, and you might not have spoken to anyone or spoken much um, in that time. So I think it's it's always important as well um, when you're waiting uh, for the exam to start to you know chat to some of the other registrars there. Um, you know, I, I did notice when I took the exam, there were two or three people who sort of sat on their own, um, just thinking, panicking maybe about the exam. And I think that that's not going to help. I think it's, it's, you know, the more you can talk and just get your, you know, use practice using your voice and just, um, it, obviously it calms you down as well. You can talk about other things. And um, so I think making the most of that time um, and trying to you know, relax a bit is, is very important. And then beyond the, the waiting room and going into the exam, what was that like? It's all... Um, it's all very regimented. It's very, um, well, I say it's very used to follow. I managed to prepare for the wrong station. But, yeah, it's all well organised. Um, you know, you don't have to think about where you're going. You're shown always um, which room to go in and where to wait. And everyone's doing things at the same time. So, you know, when you come out to wait for the next station, you can see everybody else waiting as well. And then everyone goes to the next room together. You know, So you're just sort of basically following what else, uh, everyone else is doing as well. Um I think it can be a shock. Uh, I didn't check who was going to be there. Um, and then I recognised some of the people in the rooms in some of the stations. Um, so that, that can be a bit of a, a shock. I think it's, I, 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 for me personally, I think it's easier to um, have the examination with someone you don't know. Because if you're trying to act a role and the other person's trying to act the role, but then you know that... Um, they know more about that situation than they do, you know, then it's, it's, it can be a bit more difficult to um, moderate your language to the right level. Mm. Um, and, and then also, I suppose, if the station's going badly, then you can feel more nervous if it's somebody that you know, um, rather than someone you're ne- you, might, you, know, you might never meet again. Mm. And did you have much time to write notes between stations? And was that useful? I did, and I think it's, I mean... Over time, I think they're trying to write shorter and shorter um, scenarios. So, I mean, hopefully, you should be able to read through the information in you know four or five minutes or so, and then give yourself um, three minutes or so to, to prepare. Um, and I, I found that really useful to sort of try to guess what the overall you know um, thrust of the um, scenario would be. You know, what what would be the success for me in those eight minutes if I could reassure or if I could you know get certain information across um and I, I was able to a large degree to uh, predict what sort of questions have come up um and then for one of the scenarios I was able to prepare um a little diagram as well to help um explain clustering um which then was very useful I think to um, in the scenario, just to put that diagram between the two of us um, and focus, you know, the individual attention on that and talk around that. Um, so I thought that helped me um, to have the illustration to um, to direct the uh, the conversation. Mm. And can you just talk me through? It sounds like you're you're very prepared when you went for the exam. Like, how long did you prepare for, and and what did you do um, in order to to get so well prepared for the exam? For me, it was it was mainly um, just scenarios. So I, I did um, a full 
six station mock twice um and then i probably did about eight scenarios with um a whole range of people um and that's that's useful to get you know a range of views on um and a range of tips on on uh, the sort of approaches i mean I, i've taken the part a exam um only a few months before so i don't i didn't really do any um revision i probably looked i probably spent a couple of hours looking at things like um you know how to deal with an outbreak just to jog my memory um but there was very little sort of part a type preparation i did it was more just um going through scenarios and you know practicing how to um i, I looked at a few tables of synonyms so you know how you can use different words whether you're talking to professionals or uh, members of the public and things like that which um helped a bit as well i think and related to that did you practice um explaining common epidemiological terms which you know you might have have to do in in a scenario yes i i got uh some friends and family to um try to explain things to to them to a, a varying degree of success but i think that's yeah that's quite useful to explain public health to people who uh don't know much about public health and there's i'm sure there's lots of people in um the lives of all the registrars who um still wonder about what we do so it, it's, it's, it's um yeah it's, it's, it's a good way of trying to you know, explain what we uh, what we do monday to friday as well great okay then moving on to your book what's it called and can you just take me through it how did you get involved in authoring it and how can registrars use it to help prepare for the exam yeah so it's called practicing public health um i mean the idea was really uh, rob cooper Rob Cooper's idea, who was uh, is the head of uh, school in public health in the West Midlands, um, and and he was the person who developed the Part B exam um, back in in sort of nineteen ninety five, nineteen ninety six, um, and then I mean he, he knew me well because I was from um, the West Midlands, but also he knew Adam, who um, Adam Briggs, who also. Um, got the award for the part uh, B exam the, the year after me. And because Adam was a medic, I was a non-medic, and we were the last two people to get the award, Rob thought um, it'd be a good idea if we all got together and produced this book. Um, because also there was no resource out there for registrars, like you know, for the part A, you had Mastering Public Health. Um, and so the idea was to bring something similar to the, um, the, the part B exam. And... Yeah, I mean, basically, there's, um, there's a number of chapters at the beginning that go through um, the sort of key bits of uh, knowledge that you'll need. Um, so there's you know, a chapter on sort of health protection topics that might come up, some of the health promotion issues and you know, the healthcare, public health um, type of things that come up. And there you've got a number of tips running through the chapters um, and a couple of you know, examples and different scenarios. Um, and then you've got a big... Um, chapter that has eight scenarios in um, and these are old scenarios that are actually used in a part b exam but they've uh, been taken out of circulation and um, the faculty of public health uh, shared them with us um, and so we've produced eight videos so the idea is basically um, that you will watch the videos and then you've got some marking sheets um, you know that's similar to what the markers have in the actual exam itself then you, you know, ideally you go through 
mark yourself what you think that person got um, and then at the end of the book you can check and see what um, actual markers um, have, have given that. So we, we've got three um, current Part B markers then to go through and give us uh, some feedback on those different areas. Because I remember when when I did the um, Part B exam, I, I remember thinking, you know, I've got no idea how well I did and, and what the sort of level really is. Um, so hopefully going through that, you'll have a much better understanding of what the examiner is actually looking for. Did you learn anything surprising or anything new through writing the book? And do you have any reflections you'd like to share? Um, it was it was in a way easier to write the book than I thought it would be. Um, I mean, there's, there's there's obviously lots of elements that the publishers do for you, and all the formatting. You know, just send off all the word documents, and suddenly you've got this this finalised book in front of you. Um, but then there, I suppose, there are other elements that it was, it was, it took far longer and it's far harder than I thought it would be. I mean, it, it was um, an awful lot of work um, on our behalf. You had the three editors, but then also we had so much help and um, support from a number of people writing chapters um, and doing the videos. And, and then we had you know, someone volunteering to help film those videos as well. So I think if you added up all the man hours, um, you know, I wouldn't like to guess how, how many hours, but certainly uh, an awful lot. But um it was. I, I really enjoyed the process, um, and it, you know, it's a, it's a very proud moment to have uh, you know, the, the final book there in your hands. And I mean, I'll, I'm certainly looking um, at trying to do another book in the next couple of years. Um, yeah, so it's it's definitely um, if if you if you think you've got a, a niche in the market, um, and I suppose the, the other thing that was uh, surprising was how easy it was to sell the idea to the publishers. I mean, I thought we'd have to. You know, really go on a hard sell and, and try to explain how many potential copies um, would be able to sell. But they, you know, it was it was very quick to to get that initial um, go ahead to be able to produce the book and get the publisher on board. Well, it's such a fantastic achievement. And I was wondering whether you you learnt anything new as well about the exam itself. Was there anything there that you you learnt through writing the book that kind of surprised you that you hadn't realised about the Part B exam before? Or? Anything new that you reflected on? I think it's more just um, the, the whole process. It puts you in the, the mind of the examiner. So, I mean, at the moment, I'm running the Part A tutorials um, for the registrars of the West Midlands. And, you know, having done the Part A exam, I still didn't quite understand what they were looking for, but somehow I managed to pass. But I think, you know, actually marking um, a number of uh, mock exams, it sort of crystallizes what the examiners are looking for and I think I'd be in a you know, much better position now to to approach that exam um, and I think it's the same with the part B you know when I did it um, luckily I did well but it was um, maybe more luck than judgment whereas now I've, I've got a much better idea um, about you know where the examiners are coming from and why you know certain people do well and, and, and uh, others may struggle so I think that's what we're hoping I suppose will be the one of the key benefits of the book that you know, you'll be able to, through the um, the process of watching the videos, marking yourselves, and, and then actually getting a look at the um, the official marks back, that you know, you'll be able to understand you know, what they're looking for a bit better. Mm. And how, and how would you sum up what examiners are looking for? What they would consider 
a good candidate to do? I was always told, uh, and I think it's true, uh, a safe pair of hands. So, I mean, what they, I think that what they're looking for is, you know, if you were um, a consultant in public health, you've just started, and the DPH was off on holiday, and something happened, um, and you're suddenly in front of the TV cameras talking about a situation, then, you know, you'd, you'd be able to, even if you didn't have um, a massive amount of information about that topic, or, you know, you hadn't gathered um much uh, intel you could still um come across as professional and you stay calm you wouldn't say anything daft um you know if you didn't know anything um you know you, you'd, you'd be honest about the lack of knowledge but you'd be you'd still be able to be reassuring and, and tell the public you know what the next sort of steps are so i think i think that's what they're looking at um what you know what they're looking for um and yeah, I think that, that sort of testing your art of, of public health. I think in a way it's a bit like a little, you know, job interview. I think, you know, it, it's it's really important, um, those initial impression in you know, the first sort of 30, 60 seconds that you know you make a good impression, you show that you're you're confident and calm. But then obviously, you know, throughout the eight minutes you're able to then demonstrate all those um, you know, those key skills and you, you you're able to show empathy. Um, I think it's, it's I think it's what um, you know we all do naturally um, during our training. You know when we're on the duty desk at Public Health England, or you know if we have to meet a member of the public when we're working in the local authority um, or speaking to a councillor. I think we all do it naturally. It's just trying to <coughs> recreate that in in that sort of artificial eight minutes time as well. Oh, great, and. You mentioned going through uh, a mock exam as, as, as quite an important part of the preparation. And certainly within a region, you know, mock exams can be set up. And I know it's something that we do in the West Midlands. Is there anything else that, that you think local regions can do to help support preparation for the Part B exam? Um, yeah, I mean, like you say, I think setting up those mock exams are um, the most important step, I think. Um, I mean, if if registrars can come up with their um, own um, scenarios, I think that's quite useful. So you can get a bank of um, new scenarios. Because um, I know, you know, when I've been um, putting together um, practice mocks for, for registrars, you often come up with, you know, a scenario that they've come across two or three times before. So if you can come up with a few new ones, um, that could be useful. Um, registrars who have gone through the Part B exam, you know, they can take a bit of time to pass on their experience to the people who are preparing. Um, so like in the West Midlands, we always get the you know, registrars who've just taken the Part B exam to set up the mock, um, but also, you know, talk to the the, the registrars taking the, the Part B again. Um, I mean, I, we've tried to do the last couple of um, Part B exams, we've tried to not only have the mocks, but also um have a little hour or two where people can see um other people doing the part b exam so for example you know you have the the two people doing the exam and then you know four or five people sitting around watching um and doing something like forum theater where if someone's struggling then someone from the audience can um jump in and 
and take over for the next couple of minutes um, so people can share that. Um, so it's, it's, it's sometimes very interesting to watch somebody else in the exam because if you do lots of mocks, you sometimes um, can't see your mistakes because in the, you know, the, the, the heat of the moment, you're just trying to come up with answers. Um, so it's, it's useful if you can do that as well, watching others do it. Um, I mean, you can provide interview training, media training, um, you know, video some of the, the registrars as well. That can be helpful. Um, and sharing tips. So if, you know, if you have a bank of, of, of tips, um, then you, know, you can put that together over the years and then share it with um, registrars coming through the exam. Great. Well, um, there's plenty of great tips there. Uh, wish I'd known about when I was preparing for my exam uh, many moons ago. Um, is there anything else you'd like to comment on that we haven't covered? I, I don't think so. That's about yeah everything, I think. Great. Well, thanks so much, Paul. That's been really useful. I'm sure people who are preparing for the Part B exam will benefit enormously from the advice you've just given and really appreciate your time. Yeah, no problem. And, and good luck for everyone taking the uh, their next round of exams. Many thanks for listening. See you next time. Mm-hmm.